Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from 3CR Studios in Melbourne on 855am and we're streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are also available on the 3CR website which is www.3cr.org.au and all previous podcasts are available on the Freedom of Species podcast website, which is freedomofspecies.org, as well as on iTunes. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot uh, to Sally for Out of the Pan. And we are joined, I should say, my co-host today is Adam Cardellini. Thanks for coming in, Adam. No worries. Good day. Always great to have you joining in the discussion and helping out with the technology uh, (laughs) sort of thing. Um, I can't say it or do it, so yeah, it's (laughs) handy to have Adam here. And we've got a returning (laughs) guest. We've got uh, Jess Ison. Thanks for coming back on the show, Jess. Thanks for having me. And if I remember correctly, last time I sort of said what you did and that kind of thing. So why don't you say it yourself this time? A bit of background, the animal activism you've done, what your research is, that kind of thing for listeners. Okay. Um, Well, I'm with the Institute for Critical Animal Studies in the Oceanic region, um, which Nick is also a part of. Um, And Adam does lots of great volunteering for us, um, which we're going to talk about today. Um, I also do a lot with the Coalition Against Duck Shooting, um, going out and rescuing birds. Uh, In my professional life, um, I am at La Trobe University where I'm just maybe finishing off a PhD and um, I also teach there as well. Um, And then I do a few other things uh, along the side of that. But anyway, you can... Mm hear about those later. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be talking about the ICAS event, Community as Activism, which is coming up next weekend and or this coming weekend. And yeah, we're going to talk a bit about that event at the end. But we're going to give a bit of background to ICAS as well as discussing some of the themes first. So maybe if we, I thought what we might do is rather than just giving like a website definition, like, the ICAS is about la la la, like what we might do is, because Adam, uh, as Jess mentioned, has been at ICAS a bunch of times, has spoken at ICAS. I thought maybe we'll just sort of uh, take in terms about what, what drew us to ICAS, what we like about ICAS, that kind of thing as a way to give a bit of background. So maybe we'll start with Jess. So yeah, what drew to ICAS, what you like about ICAS, one thing, and we'll kind of go around. Um, I guess what for me, it was really, um, I, I, I found a way, because I, I, I was... Um, vegan and, and cared about animals, um, but I found that in a lot of the animal activist spaces I was in, um, trying to work in those spaces, um, I faced some instances of um, queerphobia, uh, amongst other things. Um, and I'd also found that across um, some other social movements that I've been part of as well, um, doing some feminist activism when I was younger um, and doing some enviro activism. And then also when I was kind of doing some queer activism, finding that animals were often um, not part of the conversation either. So I was kind of finding myself in a, in a bunch of different camps and feeling pretty jaded about, um, about people generally not caring about animals. But as soon as I was around animal people, um, having to face all of this um, discrimination. So then I was just kind of Googling one day and I, I um, came across a conference in uh, North America um, called... ICAS and I was like this sounds interesting and I looked through it and I was kind of saying all these things like it was anti-capitalist and it was anarchist and um, intersectional I guess was I'm not sure if um, that word was kind of being used then but anyway um, and and so I thought wow this sounds really interesting and I went to the I ended up going um, to that conference and meeting some really amazing people um, and including Lara Drew who then we decided to start uh, the collective here and that's how I met all of you and so we formed this nice little community. Cool. What about you, Adam? Well, I I was drawn to ICAS because yes, as as a vegan, I was and and um, working in research and stuff. I wanted to and activism. So doing doing activism and research, I wanted to try and find a space that brought those things together. And in the sciences, there just wasn't 
anything there and there still isn't anything that sort of brings that space to those spaces together and i was looking into um sort of intersectionality i think i read total liberation um and really liked some of the some of the things that was pre were presented there and found out about icas and it brought in the academic side of things so um, people really critically thinking about how we relate to animals, but then also importantly, all brought in the um, the activist side of thing and, and bringing those two together. I think activist academic research and all of that sort of jazz really resonated with me, and mm. that's why I went along. And it's fantastic. I really enjoy it. It's a very different space for me because I'm because it's sort of more humanities and social sciences and that sort of thing. So I've had to learn a lot of vocabulary and <laughs> um, jargon and whatnot. And yeah. I, I learn something new every single time because... Whether you want to or not. <laughs> social science jargon, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's really lovely like meeting other people who are also critical and believe in that, that junction between all forms of oppression being connected mm. and that we, we can't just work on one one aspect of that we need to be working on all of these things yeah and i'd say for myself i was on uh, a few email lists i think there's one h animal and it brings together all kinds of animal studies related stuff some of it is critical some of it not so much and yeah when i saw that uh, i think maybe the year before maybe i think it was 2010 conference i went to, i think jess was maybe 2011 but it was around that time anyway but i saw the conference and yeah all those things it was you know all vegan conference it was animal liberation focus there was connections with activists there was activist stalls there and just as soon as i read that email i was like yep yeah, this this is me again bringing in the the human oppression and the animal oppression it was it was all there and nothing i want to point out as well with icas one thing i really like is that as, as much as possible we try and uh run the conference in line with our values which i think is something which is often left out so i do go to a lot of academic conferences that are all about oppression and inequality those kind of things and it's like five hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars <laughs> a ticket and, mm -hmm. and there's sort of it seems to be like a disconnect between like what we're talking about out at the conference and how the conference is run and yeah there's, there's been a number and but basically just pretty much virtually any academic conference beyond ICAS there definitely are other groups that do it too but it is definitely the exception not the rule and so yeah trying to make the conference accessible in terms of price uh, running things collectively uh, in terms of not having a hierarchy of um, yeah Jess isn't the president I'm the vice president etc as Jess mentioned I'm on the collective Jess is on the collective we run it as a collective non-hierarchical uh, collective another issue with the cost as well a lot of academic conference is they pay you know ten thousand dollars or high amounts to keynote speakers and so they pay them and then people like me and jess uh, and adam as well who are like sessional tutors sort of the bottom of the hierarchy we're sort of subsidizing them whereas they're earning two three hundred grand a year so it's like yeah everything the way the conference is run seems very consistent with what's been discussed and i think that is a really important part about icas as well yeah, and I think the other important thing is that we do focus on um, activism as well, which a lot of academic conferences shy away from mm. because it doesn't look um, nice and neat mm. to put onto your timetable, whereas we don't shy away from that and we actively, in fact, support people doing direct action um, for animals or for other uh, causes as well. So it's about um, supporting those activists and then at times when we are in the academy um, and we do have that um, ability to write about activism using that as well that platform to talk about activism in an academic way that gives it um, some I guess gives it shows that it's um, an important uh, thing to do and gives it some kind of theoretical background as well so that allows the academy to maybe take it a bit more seriously hopefully is is one of the goals yeah and and that was really refreshing for me from the sciences they Activism is actually a, is a dirty word almost. You don't do activism because that makes you um, impartial. Not to suggest that um, that scientists are impartial. Everyone has bias, and especially people who have, have been trained to use animals um, through their whole education. So it was really, really um, nice to know that you could do activism and join that with um, academia. Yeah. yeah, and there's a huge discussion about, you know, objectivity versus subjectivity in academia, but I often find, you know, groups like ICAS and, and that kind of scholarship, it's more 
we're upfront about and not our biases but our, our position um, and so we are anti-capitalist we are anti-sexism whatever it might be uh, but often academic research that pretends to be objective is without saying it just confirms to dom- dominant ideology so they're, they're, they're neutral they're not anti-capitalist therefore they end up being pro-capitalist which mm-hmm. is also ideological as well so yep. I, I find it like a more honest way to do academic work to be upfront about the bias rather than pretending to be objective and just conforming to dominant ideologies a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's and that comes from a strong tradition, um, particularly starting in feminism, where feminists were saying this idea of being unbiased is what um, particularly kind of straight white men are already seen as being. Um, their research is always seen as being unbiased, whereas any of us doing any kind of research on the margins, we're instantly seen as being biased. So my work is always, it's always, it's, though it's a bad thing um, that I'm a queer person doing queer um, research and that I'm coming from this place of bias. And no matter what I do, I'm already seen as that. I'm already going to be seen as this um, angry queer person or angry angry woman or uh, angry vegan. So there's no way that I'm going to get out of that anyway. Um, so we put it out there on the table to begin with and actually say, well, this isn't a bad thing. In fact, no one's bi- um, without bias and nobody is completely objective. Um, but that idea of the kind of logical white male voice um, that comes through particularly academia is really um, itself a load of crap because actually that reinforces certain norms, like you were saying, Nick. Mm. Um, and, and we see that in the tradition of in, in academia particularly in the social sciences we see that um, framed in that way so I think science is a little different because the whole thing the whole kind of science says that it's completely unbiased um, from in its methodology whereas in the social sciences we kind of argue about that a lot Mm -hmm. yeah and I I was thinking actually I know like Sam Harris is a well-known atheist and yeah it's kind of interesting discussions about like being objective and he's like he says he's against identity politics so it doesn't matter who he'll have on and someone pointed out out of his 120 guests only two were African-Americans so like by being like I'm I'm not going to be identity politics he's he's been identity politics but Mm -hmm. it's towards like white men and I think that is another thing I like about ICAS I obviously don't help with this in terms of but not everyone at ICAS looks like me and Adam and me Adam look fairly similar so that's sort of (laughs) one, one guy but I'm saying that there's a diverse range of voices, whereas um, me and Adam went to Sam Castro's talk at the Students of Sustainability about sexism in environmental movements, progressive movements, and talking about the way in, in there's a lot of um, like leaders of organisations and speakers, and definitely the case in the animal movement, are men, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the grassroots done by women. And at ICAS, there's just yeah, a lot more women speaking, a lot more diverse range of yeah, genders, uh, sexualities, etc. as well, mm-hmm. which I think is really important too. Yeah, particularly, as you said, because in the animal movement, um, so much of the work and the labour has been done by women-identified people and or um, femmes and, and other people who basically aren't kind of cis males. But the um, the voices we get, um, you know, and and the person who's called the father of mm. animal liberation is, is Peter Singer. I mean, even that we have that language, the father of... Mm. Um, with And that erases so many um, of the people who've been doing amazing activism who aren't um, in that position like Peter Singer. Um, and, yeah, I think that's one of the really important things that ICAS is trying to do um, to decenter those voices because, I mean, I remember about a couple of years back I went to a conference here an animal conference and seriously everyone speaking was a white dude mm. every single speaker and I was I couldn't even say anything I was so I was I was kind of just so mortified I, I couldn't even um, respond um, because it was just such a weird space to be in when you're used to being at an ICAS um, mm. event where we really try to get um where we, we bring together a lot of people from um, different backgrounds um, as much as possible um, who, who get to, to try to access that space. Um, and and never, of course, it's, not, it's never perfect and never will be, um, but it's, it's, we're, trying to, we're trying actively to do that, um, whereas that's those uh, other activist events, not so much. Mm. Mm. And and that- it's, it's, particularly, it's particularly telling um, that system of hierarchy within um, white men versus women within the animal animal movement because women make up or female identifying people make up 70% of the people who are concerned with animals and mm. identify as vegan mm. so that we minimize the the vast majority of voices for a small number of mm. male voices is mm. is particularly stark yep. and telling 
And I think, you know, in ICAST, that is interesting that when we have conferences, when, you know, we're not necessarily choosing the speakers, it's just who applies. But I think we've created a space that does maybe make um, people who are outside of that white male sort of hegemony dominance, mm-hmm. maybe more welcome or, or more like they can speak in that space more than other events, which is great. I think also ICAST has some really big goals like animal liberation, total liberation, like liberation for humans, and the environment, all these big kind of goals. And yeah, it's something I've spoken with Adam about about uh, before, and I thought we might return to that in terms, in terms of how we how we go towards that. So I'll say a bit about that, and then I'll hand over to Jess as well. But I guess some of the ways we reach that, as Jess touched on, is sort of creating academic discipline, which gives this idea of not just talking about animals, that's obviously broader animal studies, but actually talking about activism, radical activism, direct action, intersectionality, all these ideas, um, but also activism as well. So it's not just a matter of having activist stalls at ICAS events, um, but also, um, yeah, people connecting not just on an academic basis, but in an activist basis as well. So I know um, after a previous conference, a lot of previous attendees got to together and attended the duck shooting for example so it's not just people you know sort of working together on papers and collaborating in academic sense but also an academic sense but also another thing i'd say about ICAS is not viewing those worlds as totally separate so the idea of like learning from activists and with activists and and informing the movement but also being informed by the movement so just one little like small way i've tried to do that recently is i've put up um five posts on this website for analytics basically giving five lessons for activists from my thesis so sort of trying to bridge that gap and a lot of that research is informed by interviews from actors as well so that crossover as well so i guess like that's some of the sort of small ways they're huge goals but how we on a very small scale can work towards that uh any thoughts on the idea jess of like working towards these really big goals um i think another way at the conferences we usually have um some panels that we put together and, and do seek out speakers for um we've had um one one year we've had the prison abolition uh panel where we had um Crystal McKinnon and uh, someone else, I think it's escaped me right now, um, talking about, yeah, prison abolition. Last At our last conference, we had a letter writing workshop to prisoners. Um, we also had that amazing FEM panel, um, which um, we hadn't had before, bringing together um, different FEM voices to talk about the ways in which um, we as FEMs are active in communities and often unseen and trying to think um, critically about the ways that we do FEM um, and the way that's belittled, particularly in activist spaces. Um, so we that was a really great panel, um, which I think you put up on Progressive Podcast, didn't you, Nick? Yeah, it's on archive.org. People uh, can find it in, yeah, by that site. Yeah, definitely look that up online. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, it was a great session. Yeah, so mm. we, we do each conference try to have different panels to bring together those different voices um, and deliberately so, not, not just the ones of the um, different speakers who put uh, papers in. So I think that's another step um, towards trying to get different voices into ICAST that aren't just um, talking about animal liberation, but are actually bringing together all different types of um, different content. Mm-hmm. And one thing which has come up a little bit, I know that's something that uh, is close to Adam's heart and it's kind of come up and yeah, it's not necessarily something you have to address, but maybe just discuss a little bit in that it ICAS is a multidisciplinary in that we're in the, um, what, what is your major gender studies? Is that right? Or is it something else or something in that neck of the woods? Or, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, I'm in the gender studies department, gender studies, but yeah. I guess my fingers are in multiple pies. Yeah. But definitely more more humanities like me, I'm sociology and a lot of us are in that neck of the woods. So, yeah, so it is multidisciplinary, but there is obviously like a heavy bias towards the social science. And we, we had a bit of discussion about this another time, me and Adam, but do you think that is the scientists aren't interested or do you think it's like we're not reaching out to them? Like why, why do you think that is that there's not much interest from them or phys- is it physical science, is that correct, Adam, or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, physical sciences, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. There's non-physical sciences as well, oh, okay. but yeah, yeah. just sciences is fine. Okay, yeah. STEM, STEM. But STEM so, social science is trying to claim they're scientists as well, or we do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I get what some you say, that the science is scientists. Well, we do have some, though. You know, we have yep. um, Sai Woon, who does, mm. who's a vet, mm-hmm. um, and sh- um, I think she's spoken at nearly all our conferences. Yeah, she's great, um, yeah. Kat Harriman, who is also mm-hmm. a vet and um, just pro- is bringing out this fantastic book on animal testing um, and has amazing writers in that, all different scientists. Um, So I think there is some work. It does seem to be a little bit slower. Maybe you won't know the answer to that, Adam. Uh, That's a big question or, yeah, big big conversation. It's mostly around um, being indoctrinated into a system that uses animals as part of 
um, as part of your research. It's it's no, it's the norm to to experiment on or see animals as an ends to a means in mm. in gaining knowledge in gaining understanding about a specific question. And it's not. I mean, there's certainly people in in um, in the fields, many different fields that do um, push against it, but um, it's a lot less than say people who are within the humanities and mm. social sciences, um, because maybe they're not critically evaluating those those norms that they're being taught and told. Mm. Um, and there's also no money really in the sciences for people who might want to, or not lot, not much money, but might want to um, think about things a little bit differently. Um, those, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, we're going to take a track now and then we'll be back after the break talking a bit about the importance of community and some themes that are associated with the Community as Activism event coming up. So the track is Treading Water by Petrol Girls. And I thought it was kind of relevant. It's quite an intersectional song in that it's treading water about climate change, but it's also about like trying to keep your head above water in terms of financial and these kind of things. I thought it was kind of relevant from that point of view. So, yeah, um, check out this track and you are listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR. They Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR and we are joined by Jess Eisen from the Institute for Critical Animal Studies or ICAS as we're referring to it as and we're talking about the Community as Activism event coming up which is um, yeah this coming weekend and we're going to in the middle part here talk about some of the themes that are associated with the conference and so yeah we'll start with maybe Jess talking a bit about the importance of community for activists it's not something that we've ever addressed uh, explicitly as a theme before in ICAS but we definitely think it's important you want to talk a bit about um, the importance of having an, an event and discussing this this uh, idea of community I guess this event kind of came around um, us four in the collective were having dinner together and um and I think I just remember saying oh it feels so nice to be hanging out together because um, I feel like we don't often do that when we're activists, we're all so busy. And then we just kind of got onto the topic of community and how important that is um, and how much we don't value that. Um, and yet it's actually one of the most important things that we have when we do activism. And it's something that um, in, in um, queer community, it's something we talk about a lot, the ways that we can build community and the ways that particularly um, for queer people, a lot of us might not have um, a family of origin who were in contact with any longer. Uh, and so we build communities because um, we need to to survive um, and it has been the way that historically we've survived. Um, and so we have quite a history of figuring out ways to build community. And I find that um, it is a space where we talk about it a lot as queer people. But in animal activism, I have found that not that I've particularly always been part of the animal activism community, um, because I do, as I mentioned earlier, I do find that it can be um, problematic in some ways, particularly um, around um, being at times homophobic, um, that a lot of the people I know who are in animal activism, that's actually where they find their community. Is It is where they, who they hang out with, um, who they go out with, what, who they do their activism with. And so actually building that is really, really important. And particularly when we think about um, capitalism wants us to be individuals, right? Wants us to individually consume, individually live um, and to not build communities. Because once we build communities, um, that's when we can be more politically active because we have um, a support base around us. If we if you don't have support, if you're acting on your own, um, you can't be um, a single radical response to capitalism. And so actually community building is a response to capitalism and is one way that we can challenge capitalism. And it's so it's something that we actually need to think about more importantly. Um, and also I think that another issue is that a lot of the community building work has actually often been done by women. Um, and so it's not seen as an important job, right? It's not seen as the important task. Um, it's about going out there and like saving that tree or saving those animals doing the direct action but actually direct action is also um, the care work that goes into supporting someone who's had a really hard time on an action um, to supporting someone who's faced a hard time or in, in queer communities um, the care work that goes into supporting each other through um, facing queer and or transphobia through um, losing family of origin through all the, the types of trauma that we might experience um, but because a lot of that work's done by women and or femmes um, it's not valued and so actually 
in in ICAST because we're constantly wanting to think about valuing different types of labour and valuing um, different people that are often um, not seen or heard, uh, this is a really important step, I think, for ICAST to think about the ways that um, care labour and community building um, is a really important part and is actually how we survive and how we will tackle capitalism. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea of activist burnout has become quite a, in a way, like a, a fairly mainstream or, or quite an accepted part of the movement, which is great and it's really important. But I guess community is kind of part of that, avoiding burnout, because even though as animal advocates we're advocating for animals, it's about that connections from other humans that we'll get in terms of yeah, getting us through tough actions or just keeping us in the movement long term as well. So I think it's quite important from that perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and another another issue which is kind of associated with this, and th- this isn't going to be one of the specific um, you know topics at the upcoming event, but it was sort of was part of the discussions that led to it. And I thought it was quite important to address the idea of call in and call out culture, which is quite an issue uh, in the animal movement, but just in progressive movements in general. So, for those who are not familiar with these discussions or these terms, do you want to just explain like the difference there between call in versus call out? Mm, I guess. Um- um, you know, a call, a call out, we see those online a lot um, where people are um, called out for behaviour that they've done um, and then kind of sometimes ostracised um, for that um, and not kind of, um, it's not followed through with a community response. Whereas a call in is about um, seeing someone's behaviour and wanting to um, to hope that people have the capacity to change, um, to acknowledge that we live in these, uh, in this society with um, all its really messed up systems um, of, uh, yeah, different different awful systems around racism, sexism, homophobia. Um, and so tackling all these together um, and calling in people um, who might, uh, who have, yeah, made a mistake uh, and trying to work with them to change through things like transformative justice um, rather than kind of building a culture. I mean, we grow up in a society that is about punishing people, right? Um, when you're naughty, when you're a kid, you're put in the corner, um, you're told that you're bad, a bad person. And then as you get older, um, that can lead, um, then we are built around as well a society that incarcerates on punishment, right? Um, it does, of course, when we talk about prisons, we know actually it's not actually incarcerating everyone. Um, it's incarcerating certain people who um, the society Society is deemed to be bad people or um, just wants to uh, to kind of oppress certain groups. But as a societal discourse, what we have is the idea of punishment. If you do wrong, you will go to jail, right? Um, and that's built on a lie in and of itself. But the punishing, the idea of punishing people is something that we very much have deeply ingrained in us. And so call-in is about trying to, um, instead of punishing people, instead of saying people are bad, uh, is trying to work with people to change and to believe that we can change um, even as we're kind of living under these oppressive systems. And so hopefully in community building, one of the things we'll be doing um, is actually figuring out radical ways of working together um, through issues um, and and hopefully believing that people can change. And I, I think um, one of the really important parts of that is deliberate community building and and coming to and growing a community where people know what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. And um, because a lot of the communities that I've been part of um, within the animal movement have sort of grown organically and often one person's had an idea they want to go and do this type of activism mm. and they have very strong opinions and and then people form around that person and there's no set way or set way of, of interacting and things can get really quite nasty in mm. a certain number of ways, like mm. in lots of different ways. And groups fall apart, people, you know, don't work well together and it, it puts in all of this emotional energy, all of this time and all of this um, this knowledge that gets lost as mm-hmm. we go through these cycles of the growth of communities and then the, the crash of them because we haven't had these discussions first. We, we aren't coming openly and honestly and having, most importantly, good communication mm. with each other um, and knowing where we, where we stand. Um, and I... I would look forward to <laughs> to communities within within the movement that really are um, conscious of how they are interacting with each other and providing a space where people can work together well 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important point you raise as well, how much knowledge we lose um, because we have these cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have new people come into movements, um, be really, really excited. And I know I had this experience. I was like, whoa, I've learned about how bad society treats animals. I had so much excitement um, and I was like, right, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to do something about this. Excitement's not the right word, but you, you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it was just kind of a, a rude awakening where um, there wasn't community support was one of the biggest biggest awake rudest awakenings um and and i think a big part of that is because in in animal movements because it hasn't been a deliberate community building um things like people aren't actually then learning around um you know particularly that's why we see um people rallying around certain um who will remain unnamed uh you know, white guys who are then held up as these really awesome activists mm-hmm. and are getting all this money um, to do like activism every day. Um, and so they're not actually working on um, things like they're uh, being misogynist. Mm. And so then um, you have people really responding to that um, and getting really angry and upset and, and having to leave movements. Um, and particularly, I've seen so many amazing women leave movements. Um, this isn't, we were talking about animal activism now, but I've seen it across different types of activism, um, and particularly enviro activism, um, leaving, uh, and anarchist activism, leaving um, the movement, these amazing women and femmes, and then um, and then we see the cycle happen again. Um, and instead of actually those people being called in by hopefully other uh, men, and then doing that work together to change rather than putting that labour on us, um, including that emotional labour to have to call it out, then to um, debrief with each other about having to call it out and debrief with our own anger mm. at having to face constant misogyny um, in, in different activist movements. And the amount of hours, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, um, my housemate's doing some activism right now and faced some misogyny and we sat there talking about it for two hours as I helped them debrief through what they'd gone through, think about gentle ways to respond to the situation. Um, and you know what it was? It was about the fact that um, no uh, no men had done any cleaning in the space mm. and um, and that was just going to be labour that was left to women and femmes. And so then we're sitting around going, oh, okay, so how are we going to frame this text? And we're putting all this labour in and time. Literally, that's two hours of my my life and their life that we will never get back, mm. that those men n- never even have to think about um, and then might respond by just um, cleaning or not, mm. right? And so... And then we get, and then from that, then we get called nags because of the misogyny, and it becomes this constant vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that needs to be labour that uh, men are doing with each other to call each other out. Um, and also, you know, if you're listening to this, just like do the damn washing up. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, years ago, back in Perth, we had a feminism and animal rights workshop. And afterwards, there's some dishes to be done. And just all, yeah, women straight away do the dishes. And it's just, it's just so ingrained. And we, we think we're in these movements, therefore we're critical of things. But we, we're, we are critical of society, but we're a part of the society as well. So mm-hmm. we often reproduce these same uh, problematic norms. And I, I think um, in, in bringing into an animal context and social media, I was thinking about the difference between a call in and call out. As again, even though we might be a vegan, we might be an animal activist, activist etc., um, we have still come from this dominant society which has speciesist language, for example. So I guess the difference on social media, so if Adam, for example, calls an animal an it, which mm-hmm. I think is, is, is not a good thing, like we should try and use language like they, which actually you know, makes them, refers to them as someone rather than mm-hmm. something and uh, challenges that species male language. So Adam does a post, he refers to animals it's. I could do a call out where I could share Adam's post. Look, look what Adam's done. Like, look at this. Adam's species. Adam's not a good activist. That would be a call out. Whereas a call in would be me privately messaging Adam or speaking to Adam in person and going, oh, let's let's try and challenge that language and like working together to be less species than our language rather than sort of calling out embarrassing, humiliating people, which I think could also lead to activist burnout as well. Mm-hmm. So that's just a, sort of a practical example mm-hmm. of that call in versus call out culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a side note on that, I actually um, call in my <laughs> colleagues at work to, mm. and ask them to call animals they and mm. them. And it actually gets them thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a really good in to yes. get them thinking about animals as individuals and as people. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that um, that language, like that that objectifying language, is like is not just language. It's reflecting mm-hmm. law, for example, the animals as property. It's all definitely connected. And I guess I would also say I think generally, as like at a fault, we should be trying to call in more often. But I think there also you know is space for calling out as well. And mm-hmm. obviously that there is sort of a line. I don't know exactly where that line mm-hmm. is, and I'm probably not the one who should define it. And it probably in a way can be easier for me to call in someone for being sexist, for example, as a man or racist as a white man etc um so there are definitely spaces to call out and i'm thinking like sexual predators within movements mm. those kind of things um yeah i don't know if you want to touch on that or like i think it's not say the calling out is always wrong but mm. we should probably try and avoid it yeah, you know, in most cases and give people the benefit of the doubt in most cases i guess yeah no i and, and that's the thing it is it is a hard line because um of course then you might you might try to work with someone and they don't change. Um, and mm. and then there's a lot of labour that's gone into that. So it's definitely not a kind of cut and dry. We're still working within um, capitalism right now. We're still working within these structures that we've been given. Um, but this is just trying to think about more productive ways of um, supporting people to change um, when we can, when we have the energy. And you're right, because a lot of people who are doing the call-outs are going to be people who are already marginalised um, and, and we're the ones having to put that labour in. Mm. Um, I've, I've left an animal activist event um, because of people being outrageously homophobic mm. and um, asked uh, heterosexuals in the room to leave with me um, and virtually none did. Um, and, and that was really one of the last times I was part of an animal liberation community outside of ICAS mm. um, because nobody came with me. The only people who did um, were queer people. Actually, everyone who came with me was queer. All the queers left the room um, and everybody else stayed, um, stayed sitting down. Mm. And so then we all went to the pub and met up with some other queer activists, animal activists that we know, and then yet again we spent hours ranting about how angry we were about this situation that no straight people had left with us. And, and then straight people just get to go home, you know, and just be fine. Mm. So um, it is tiring as a queer person to have to constantly be calling out um, yeah, mm. when people are being homophobic. Mm. Um, because also the annoying thing, as soon as you're calling out, then you're just this like, and here she goes again, here's Jess again going on with her calling people out, right? Mm. And so it do- that need- space needs to be much more taken up by people who aren't being affected um, by what's happening mm. um, where possible. Yeah, mm. and again, referring back to that workshop, me and Adam went to at Student Sustainability on the um, sexism in the environmental movement. Someone was involved in a political party and, that, and they'd experienced sexism and they kind of spent all their time doing consent workshops and those kind of things, whereas the perpetrators and just like men in general just got on with doing the inverted commas real work mm-hmm. of actually the political organising and raising to the top of the organisation. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, I think the problem in general is like that idea of like the real issue. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I wasn't there that, that, uh, t- that example you mentioned, but I imagine thinking like, well, this is about for animals, like the animals is the real issue and not thinking about homophobia. And I guess that's what the idea of intersectionality in our case is about is like, there's not one real issue. So like animal is really important, but so is um, addressing homophobia and challenging homophobia. And like all these issues are important rather than just the one. So yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what the situation was. Okay. The person said that to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, that um, yeah, to put my issues aside. Yeah, um, yeah. in relation to supporting someone who was homophobic. Mm. Um, it, yeah, so it was like in a direct, um, directly saying that your issues aren't as important. And I mean, that's that's one um, deeply offensive. Um, but if we also think about how we want to create change, we know that that's just actually not going to be um, a viable way to make change. We can see that historically, right? I'm thinking about feminism. When you look at, um, you know, white heterosexual women were saying to um, to lesbians, to women of colour, to different um, groups, they were saying, yeah, but let's just do these issues first and then we'll do your issues. Mm. Um, and, of course, I mean, where are those um, Where are those kind of white women now? Where are they? They're not doing um, groundwork, groundwork feminism, a lot of them, right, because they got um, it, more access to pay, they, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so we actually see in in movements, if you, don't, if you only kind of go for the, the, the kind of the people who are already – closer to the top, um, generally those people aren't going to then turn around and support you because they've gained access into a, into a privileged position. Um, so any activism that doesn't look at all the different ways um, that these issues intersect is, is really going to not – might succeed in small ways for its own um, purposes but might, won't succeed in a larger way. 
Yeah, and if we if we're only going to do that later down the track after the revolution, <laughs> then, then like, if we're not going to do it now, we're not going to do it later. Basically, <laughs> so we've got to start now. Uh, we're going to take a track now, and I thought this was quite relevant. It's called "I'm a Better Anarchist Than You" by David <laughs> Rovix, and I was kind of thinking about the perform performativity in social media in terms of some calling out where it's kind of doing it in almost self righteous way. Like I know, like the the species language, I know better than Adam with this language. I'm going to sort of tell everyone that. So it's about these the yeah, things like all good things to be doing, but sort of being done in like a way to prove you're more self-righteous rather than sort of working together so yeah you're listening to freedom of species on 3cr i don't drive a car because they run on gas and if i did it'd run on biomass i ride a bike the 2018 melbourne anarchist book fair is on the 11th of august at the brunswick town hall stalls books projects and organizations fighting for a better world here and abroad come for the stalls stay for the workshops Topics ranging from indigenous struggles and decolonization, climate change, anti-racism, unions, feminism, refugees, anarchy 101, and so much more. Interested in a stall? Email us on info at amelbournebookfair.org. That's info at amelbournebookfair.org. Or message us on our Facebook page, Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair 2018, a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR, 855 AM. And yeah, we're going to get on. We're joined by Jess Ison from the Institute for Critical Animal Studies, or ICAS, talking about the Community as Activism event coming up. But before that, we heard a ad there for the Anarchist Book Fair coming up. And actually, ICAS and Freedom of Species will both have a stall at that event. So come check that out. It's Saturday, August the, August the 11th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Brun, Brunswick Town Hall. There's going to be uh, a talk related to animals featuring me and Jess as well as Lara, which is an anarchist analysis of the compa- campaign against live animal export. So we're going to be talking a bit about live export, but using that as a starting point to talk about how anarchist and animal movements can connect better and how we get more anarchists involved in animal activism now. Um, anarchism can inspire animal campaigns, those kind of issues. So come by, check out that talk. I'm not sure what time will be, but there's talks going all day. There's stalls, all that kind of stuff. And drop by and check out the Freedom of Species and 3CR stall as well. So you can get all the details for that at amelbournebookfair.org. So just amelbournebookfair.org for all information about that. But we'll move on to talk about the Community as Activism event, Building Community Within the Animal Liberation Movement and Beyond. So we've spoken a bit about the importance of community, but do you want to talk a little bit about um, yeah, about the event in general, Jess? Yeah, so we've got um, a really great uh, lineup of speakers and topics. I'm really excited about it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three se- sessions we've got are intersectionality in practice, transformative justice and Me Too, and building community lessons from other movements. Um, and so we're going to have it really um, – the speakers are going to be um, talking for about probably the first half of each session, and then we want to kind of have it as a real discussion for the rest of it um, for each topic. So it's going to be it's going to be jammed jam packed, but it's going to be really great, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and those topics are really just starting points for thinking about how to, like we were talking about before, consciously build community um, and to think about the ways that that's going to look in terms of doing intersectionality, in terms of having transformative justice and how we can learn from other communities. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, it is really important. Hopefully we get listeners coming along and as we say, not just hearing these um, great speakers, I hope that would be good as well, um, but also joining in these discussions. So the idea of intersectionality, which we've spoken a lot, is the idea of like in an animal context of being concerned about human oppression, as Jess has mentioned, environmental issues as well as animal issues but that's sort of a philosophical idea and it sort of comes from academia in a way the the term anyway but how do we do that in practice and what I'll be speaking about there as well is like what what does it exactly mean as well and so that's something that you know being pro-intersectional is one thing but actually trying to look at more critically and more specifically what that involves and you know, what we kind of ask it of animal advocates what we ask of other social movements those kind of things so yeah definitely in terms of uh, my, my talk on that, it would be very much putting it more out to the audience to get ideas on this. It's sort of very much an open question. Do you want to talk a bit, uh, mention the other speakers for that session, Jess? Yeah, so we've got Takia Reid, who's from um, the band uh, Divide and Dissolve. Oh, they're amazing. Check them out. Um, and their um, performances are really about bringing in... Um, talking about colonisation, um, ensuring that the events are accessible for um, people who are deaf, for people um, it, who need um, 
access um, with wheelchairs, etc. Um, and then also talking about um, the different politics. Uh, you can check out one of their um, amazing uh, film clips where they pissed on some of the monuments in Australia, which was so-called Australia, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then we also have Nadi Guerrero-Diaz, who's the co-founder of a vegan intersectional feminist animal sanctuary called Big Sky. Um, and Nadi um, was on the collective um, for about a year, the ICAST collective, and just is such an amazing speaker. Uh, and last, he was also on the FEM panel that I mentioned, mm-hmm. talking about um, different issues around being FEM. Um, and so I think that panel is going to be really, really exciting. Um, and then on that panel, um, we might also we're just kind of figuring out exactly where the speakers are going. Um, we might also um, be having um, Tasha, who's a proud Palawa woman, studying law and arts, and activist is an activist with experience organising in the Aboriginal community for the marriage equality campaign. So when um, Tasha might be there or on the last um, panel, on the last panel, um, and then yeah, um, we also have uh, that's the four of you on that either three or four of you on that panel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that panel is going to be really exciting because I think that we hear things like intersectionality or total liberation, um, but what does that actually mean? How are we actually going to build communities that are open to people who come from different marginal backgrounds, who have different life experiences, um, and how do we also then build across um, uh, different activist communities because of course sometimes you know you you don't have time to do everything uh and so sometimes you do need to just focus on on one campaign say sometimes when i do duck rescue because um it's a really big weekend so i'm I'm only having time when i'm there to be doing um duck rescue but within that how do you make that uh, more accessible um how do you make that more open to people so it's it's kind of a, a session where we want to talk about it theoretically, but we also want to talk about it in practice. What does that actually look like? And um, and hearing ideas from the audience, I think, will be really exciting. Yep. And another, the next session is going to be transformative justice and hashtag Me Too. And I think this really picks up a lot of the conversations we've had about your sexism within uh, progressive or supposedly progressive movements mm. and 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 these kind of issues. And mm. yeah, definitely in terms of the idea of intersectionality, we're definitely uh, strong on the content warning as well. So this is a really important um, topic, and we hope lots of people come along. But there are also yeah, mental mental health issues, issues with trauma, and those kind of things. So definitely, people can obviously feel free if they want to skip any sessions or just sort of come in and out of the room as they please as well for for that kind of topic because uh yeah that can be upsetting but um do you want to talk a little bit about uh and this is something you covered on the show before but why transformative um justice rather than what's often referred to as carceral feminism into Mm. putting more male perpetrators in jail yeah i mean and and that and that's what this um session will really be on because we have Mm. beth allen who's um going to be talking about facing um misogyny in the animal rights movement and then annalise who's going to be uh who's from um undercurrent uh and also does the information uh irl information library what's the i can't remember um radical information um, in footscray yeah yeah. um and then hopefully one other speaker we're just waiting to confirm whether crystal mckinnon can join us and so on that panel we want to hear about we'll hear about um the issues um, with seeing, so we me too isn't is also happen is happening in activist communities. Um, it has been talked about a lot, um, and so people being able to talk about that is really really important when they've faced um, any type of um, sexual assault in activist communities. But then what to do? Um, what happens next after that? Um, because often we'll have people in communities from marginal positions, or you yourself might be, and so you're not going to actually even have access um, to the police, even if you wanted to. Um, and so just thinking about transformative justice is a way of actually um, looking at how to transform people rather and also to support a survivor because the um, the carceral system that we have doesn't support survivors. That's not what it's there for. And if you look at the rates of um, people who report, I mean, even those that go unreported is massive, but even if you look from the rate of people who report sexual assault through to the, the actual person being incarcerated, um for, for their actions, um, it, you see it just drop off as it goes through the system um, because it's so unsupportive of survivors. Uh, it's really not a viable option for a lot of people who have faced sexual assault. 
anyway um, as it currently stands. And so if we're going to talk about how to build community, we also need to think about how to, um, how to put in place um, ways for survivors to both um, get justice but also to work with perpetrators um, to, to, um, yeah, to transform their actions. Um, so it's a, it's a big goal and it's something that uh, needs to be kind of constantly worked through and talked through uh, and which is the aim of, um, you know, different groups uh, that are that are coming out now talking about transformative justice. So, it's yeah, I really recommend um, coming to that session um, if you feel you're able to kind of hear about that. I don't think there'll be any direct conversation around um, experiences of sexual assault. It'll be more a kind of discussion around that it happens and then what to do in activist communities. Yep, and I did want to give Jess... Uh, so Jess was on the show probably around about two months ago, so just a reminder, you can check out that episode and all our old episodes at freedomofspecies.org. The show with Jess was Jess Iason, Prison and Animals, also available, available via iTunes. And, yeah, we heard from Zara Stardust about that interview. It said, fantastic interview with Jess Iason about um, animal abuse, sex offender registries, prison abolition, transformative justice and queer animal liberation and why we need to think structurally instead of singling out bad apples. So, yeah, good uh, plug. Thanks for that feedback. And definitely get in touch with the show, info at freedomofspecies.org or on Facebook and Twitter. We're at FOS Radio on Twitter and search us on Facebook. Um, do you want to briefly touch on the final session, Jess? Yeah, so um, on that final session we have Quinn Eads, who's a poet, activist and academic, and perhaps Tasha, um, and um, and then also of um, just speaking with somebody called Leah, um, who might who does work across um, prisons, poetry, activism um, as well, who's saying um, that they might come on board as well. So that's going to be a really great um, session, and I might also. Um, jumping in and speaking that session too. Um, and so um, on that one, we were going to think about um, in terms of building community, we have people who are already doing that across different movements um, and across their own communities. And so we want to hear people's um, lived experience, but also their um, research and ways that they're going to talk about um, how they themselves have experienced community and ideas that they've um, picked up along the way of how we can also build community together. And so that's going to be, I think, a really interesting panel because we've got quite a lot of different speakers but there's some crossovers so we'll be able to hear um, from within movements how people are um, how people are building community and the importance of that mm-hmm. and so yeah I'll just give the details so it is Saturday the 4th of August 1 to 5 p.m at library at the dock which is 107 Victoria Harbour promenade in Docklands and if you're listening to this uh, via the Freedom of Species website, freedomofspecies.org, then, yeah, I'll put the link to the event. You can get the Facebook page. You can also register. It's totally a free event. you just got to register through the site. If you're listening to this live, just go to the Freedom of Species Facebook page. It'll be the most recent post. There's a link to the event page. So just um, make sure you register. Check out the event page. And it does include... Um, yeah, free cupcakes from Mr. Nice Guys, vegan cupcakes. Um, you've, you are welcome to give donation to cover the cost of the speakers and the event in general, but it's totally free. Um, there's also a social dinner afterwards at the vegetarian restaurant Veggie Kitchen. Um, and, yeah, I think we do have a brief time. Yeah, so um, just one more time, Saturday, 4th of August, 1 to 5 p.m. at Library at the Dock. And we did want to mention another event, yeah. Oh, and I was just going to say, if you can, oh. please give a donation because yeah. we are going to pay speakers um, in an effort to um, – you're going to be enjoying their um, expertise in the area. Um, and so if you can put some money towards supporting them um, and validating their amazing experience and knowledge, that would be really fantastic. Yep. And yeah, maybe a very, very quick plug. You know, Jess has got an event coming up um, as part of the um, Deacon Critical Animal Studies. Uh, do you want to give a very brief plug for that one? Yeah, the title is If It's Not Gay, It's Not Gay, Animal Exploitation and Queer Liberation. Um, and that's on the 31st of August uh, at, from 5 to 6.30 p.m. at Deacon Downtown in the, in the Docklands. That's also free um, and you can register through Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we are about out of time. Um, thanks a lot to coming on the show, Jess, and thanks for co-hosting, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. And, yeah, make sure you stay tuned for Encyclopedia and stay tuned to our show, 1 to 2 every Sunday, and check out our website, freedomofspecies.org. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.